0: You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, Episode 43. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, music therapists talk motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Serenade Designs. Serenade Designs is owned by Julie Palmieri, a board certified music therapist. Julie helps her fellow music therapists create, enhance, and rock their online presence. Through Julie's website design services, social media and online marketing services, and virtual assistance, she's here to help you rock your online presence while making it all feel effortless. She assists music therapists in having a strong representation on the web so that they can focus on working in the field they love, music therapy. Julie understands what it's like being a busy business owner as well as a mom. You can learn more about how Julie can help you with your online presence at www.serenade-designs.com. In this episode, I'm chatting with Mallory Even, owner of Metro Music Therapy. Mallory is originally from the Orlando, Florida area and earned her bachelor's degree in music therapy from Florida State University. She remained in Tallahassee to complete her internship with Leon County Public Schools, and upon graduation from FSU, Mallory and her husband moved to the Atlanta, Georgia area. For two years before starting her practice, and for three years after, Mallory also worked as a music therapist in an adult and geriatric inpatient psychiatric unit located in Snellville, Georgia. Mallory is a board-certified music therapist licensed professional music therapist, and a neonatal intensive care unit music therapist. Mallory, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And this is such a fun episode because we are actually sitting together we are. face to face. <laughs> this is the first time in 43 episodes that that's happened. <laughs> Every other episode has been done remotely. And so it's really nice to be able to sit right next to you and, yeah. and chat. So we are at AMTA 2015, our national music therapy conference. And Mallory and I actually met for the first time at conference two years ago. Yes. Yeah. And, um, we just hit it off right away and we both have sons named Parker (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of other things in common. So I'm really excited to chat with you and for you to share your story with our listeners. Thank you. Yeah. So let's start with a little bit of background. How did you come to be a music therapist?
1: So, if you all have heard the story before, I apologize, <laughs> but um, I kind of had, had an aha moment when I was at Florida State. I started out as a music ed major, and um, Dr. Jane Stanley came into our class to talk to us about the work she was doing in the NICU. Um, As a music therapist and that was my aha moment. I did not want to be a band director anymore I wanted to be a music therapist Um, So I went in and changed my major and did not look back and was really excited to be able to use my two passions of Helping people and creating music and to make a career out of it.
0: How did you get from the point where you? Became a music therapist and you began working in the field of music therapy
1: to Getting married and starting a family Um, it was kind of a whirlwind. (laughs) So, um, my husband and I actually got married, um, the year before I started my internship. So we were babies. Um, and then I completed my internship. This is all in Tallahassee. And then he got a job in Atlanta after that. And so, um, I just decided that I would find something in Atlanta that would be what I wanted. So started working, um, doing some contracting work and then worked at the hospital, um, was at the hospital for five years and then got pregnant with twins, um, and decided that the hospital job was not going to work if I also wanted to be a stay at home mom at the same time. So, um, I had started doing some contract work for my company, Metro Music Therapy on the side while I was at the hospital. Um, and my husband and I both really thought about it a lot and decided that I would Pursue that full time after we had the kids, um, so that I could kind of have my dream job of being a stay-at-home mom full time and running a practice full time. So I am no longer at the hospital, and I miss it a lot. But I'm really happy I'm able to do what I'm doing right now.
0: So you, your pregnancy really shaped the course of your career, definitely, That's, definitely. That is fascinating. I just want—I'm always interested to hear from. Twin moms. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction like when (laughs) you found out that you were having twins?
1: Um, So it's kind of an atypical story, especially for this generation. We did not find out we were having twins until 16 weeks. Um, We were told at eight weeks that it was going to be one baby, Um, and we just adopted that as truth because it was my first pregnancy, so we didn't really know any better. I was sick as a dog. Um, At 12 weeks, they found the one heartbeat through ultrasound and said, Oh, sounds great. Let's get you out of here. And then at 16 weeks, they said, You're measuring further along than. Than what we have in your chart. So let's take an ultrasound and make sure we have your due date accurately marked. Um, luckily, my husband was with me that day. So we went in to ultrasound and the tech said, okay, well, they both look good in there. <laughs> And I said, what? I'm sorry. Did you say they? (laughs) Um, And she was like, yeah, you knew you were having twins, right? And my husband and I were both like, no, we didn't know we were having twins. So then she backpedaled and she's like, well, did you have an eight-week ultrasound? And I said, yes. And she said, did you have it at this practice? And I said, yes. And she said, well, who did that ultrasound? And I said, you. (laughs) She was like, oh, well, you know, sometimes with twins, one of them hides and, I was like, okay. So then she, of course, wanted to know, you know, do you want to know the sex of the babies? And my husband looked at her square in the eye and said, you better tell us everything that's going on in there. Is there a third? Yes. We want to know the sex of both babies. We want to know everything that you see in there. Um, So, you know, surprise, there was no third. There was two, but not three. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, it was kind of a wild ride. Um, Wow. Yeah. So the pregnancy from there on out was... Um, very intense. And, um, my son Parker has some health issues, which we found out about in utero And then, um, I went on bed rest for about a month. So, um, it was, it was a really intense pregnancy. And then after they were born, Parker needed four surgeries. Um, so it was really a good time in my life to not be working. Um, I was still the owner of Metro and I had great music therapists on my staff that were just running everything so I could be mom. Um, so it was I was so blessed to have a team that was really supporting me and surrounding me at that time. Um, but I'm happy to say Parker's healthy as a horse and is doing really well. So, um, once we felt like we had settled down from the first year of babyhood and having two at one time and having the medical issues that Parker had, um, after we got through that fog of the first year, I kind of came back to life and started getting passionate about work again. Um, Cause I really didn't have the right mindset the first year to be doing anything.
0: Yeah. I think that is such a common story. Mm -hmm. I know that the exact same thing was true for me. And I feel like I say this every single week on the podcast, (laughs) but it's so true. Um, yeah, I just, I wasn't in the mindset. I Mm -hmm. didn't have that drive and Mm -hmm. I'm a really driven person normally when it, especially when it comes to my business, but it was like that flew out the window. Yeah. That yeah. first year, and my head was just—you know—it was with my baby and right. with trying to reestablish, you know, this life as a mom, right? And trying to,
1: you know, figure out what the heck I was doing, right? <laughs> and you're so—I mean—you're sleep deprived, and you're—I ex- mean—you're just so exhausted that exactly you—you you can't get in that space to be creative, and you know—and I feel the same way. I'm a creative person, and I really do feel very driven about my company, but I just—I didn't have it in me to be able to survive keeping myself healthy and keep my family healthy. And, right. um, so yeah, so after they, you know, they started being able to be in preschool and stuff like that, they're four now. So, um, they've kind of done mother's morning out in preschool and stuff like that. another now they're four day a week preschool. So I have a lot of time during the day, which goes by quickly, but, right, <laughs> um, right. so I have more time than I used to, to be able to be creative again and to start new projects.
0: Is it a, like a half day preschool that they go to? It through? is.
1: So, um, it's a, Tuesday through Friday, two of the days are nine fifteen to two fifteen, and then two the other two days are nine fifteen to twelve fifteen. Okay. So the three hour days go by really oh, fast. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know, and
0: I I know from personal experience that you're like looking at your clock yes, as you're working, yes. and yeah, and that the minutes just tick away. They do. They do. And yeah. then I
1: do a lot of stuff at night. I'm sure every mom that's listening can relate. Um, and that's part of the freedom that I love about owning the practice is that I can email from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Exactly. Because I own the business. So I'm able to get a lot of stuff done at night once they're in bed.
0: So let's backtrack just a little bit mm-hmm. to, um, you mentioned that you went on bed rest for a full yes. month of your yes. pregnancy. What did you do during that time? Because oh I always hear about when people go on bed rest and I think in my head, like, how could I be productive? How could I keep sane,
1: mm-hmm. laying in bed for all that time. It was really boring, really boring. Um, mostly because I was working basically two jobs before I went on bed rest. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to say my, um, OBGYN was very proactive and very smart about this, that I was not showing signs or symptoms of needing bed rest. But she said with a twin pregnancy, she said, I'm always rather, would rather be safe than sorry. So she said, I'm going to put you on modified bed rest at the beginning of the third trimester. Oh, okay. Um, so she did that. And so she took me out of work, but I was still able to run an errand or two during the day and just kind of rest. Um, but then a few weeks after that was when my blood pressure got high enough that she was like, you need to be off your feet laying in the bed most of the time. So I watched a lot of movies. <laughs> um, my mom came up, came up to stay with me and she took care of me because my husband was working because right. he wanted to have time off after the babies came. So um, we watched a lot of movies. I wouldn't recommend watching Up while you're on bed rest and pregnant because I cried. I've still never seen it. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, don't watch it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's. I mean, it's so touching. My yeah. mom thought she was showing me a really sweet movie oh, and no. I sobbed all the time. I was like, why did you show this to me? Um, I may have been a tad hormonal. Just a little, Just a probably. little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, it was boring. It was really boring. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I had to keep telling myself this is to keep my myself and my baby's like, healthy. Right. I really had to like make that my mantra.
0: Yeah. Now at this point, were you already aware of the health issues that Parker
1: had? So he has bacterial association, which each letter of that, of the word bacterial stands for a physical anomaly that a child might have if they have association. So we were told while he was in utero that he had a vertebral, which is the V um, anomaly. And then they, every ultrasound that we had with our high risk doctor. They had said he might have one kidney. He might have two. They might be fused. We can't really tell because there's so much going on in there with the two of them. So we knew that he had possible two markers for this association or two issues going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they put a whole team of people in the OR to be with each baby and to check both of them out just to make sure everything was okay. It was really nerve wracking. Um, so, in the OR, they um, they got both of them out fine, and they went to take Parker's temperature, which is a rectal temp, and they couldn't. So he has the A anomaly of ba- of, of bacterial, which is the. Um, and anus. So it's, it's not fully formed. Oh, okay. So they ended up having to do a colostomy that night, emergency surgery oh to do the gosh. colostomy in place. So we didn't know about that until birth. And then, um, he has a deformity on his right foot where he has one toe, the ball on the heel, but no toes or anything on the, like the outside of his foot. So it's a real skinny mm-hmm. long foot. And we didn't know about that until he was born either. So. At that point, though, my husband brought him over, wrapped up and said, um, he's, you know, he's missing part of his right foot. He goes, but it's probably the cutest foot I've ever seen. And so, and I said, I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. I just, you know, I want him to be healthy. Right. um, So, yeah. So we were, it was, it was kind of a stressful delivery is stressful. The whole yeah, thing was stressful. I, how
0: did you, how did you stay calm during your pregnancy and knowing, and I'm sure there was a lot of unknown at that point. There, there was. Yeah. Um,
1: how did you keep yourself calm? Um, I had to keep telling myself that there was absolutely nothing I could do. Um, cause to be told that a child that's growing inside of you has something wrong with it or, you know, medically wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Knowing that there's nothing you can do about it until they're born is a really uncomforting feeling because um, I'm a fixer. Like I want to do something right. proactive. Um, so at first I had some guilt because I was like, well, maybe I did something wrong during my pregnancy. And, you know, that was assuaged very easily. I Medically, I knew that I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and then I was, you know, nervous about it. But honestly, prayer got me through a lot. I just really tried to stay calm knowing that stressing myself out was only going to make my pregnancy harder Exactly. on myself and the kids. So wow. So after he was born and, um,
0: he, you said that he had to have four surgeries mm-hmm. right away.
1: Yeah. So he had emergency surgery that night to put the colostomy in place. And then, um, he was in the NICU for two and a half weeks. Um, he was in the NICU for two and a half weeks to recover from that, um, surgery. And then at month two, well, he still had the colostomy in place and then they took the, um, they repaired the anus so that it would be in, in working order, mm-hmm. um, and then at four months, they took the colostomy down and reconnected everything inside, and um, basically made sure every you know his plumbing was working. Yeah. Um, and then at six months, he had an outpatient procedure after that, just to make sure that everything was good to go. So, um, so four surgeries and then a lot of procedures, uncomfortable um, procedures and um, X-rays and just a lot of medical. Stuff for him, so he's still a little wary of medical professionals. I'm sure, <laughs> and understandably so.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you settle into motherhood and, mm. you know, give Reagan especially the t- the attention and time that she needed as
1: you were tending to all of to all of Parker's issues? Um, so. I could not have done it without my husband and my mom. My, my parents live in Orlando and we're in Atlanta, but, um, she came up and was supposed to, she had planned on just staying a few weeks so that we could get settled in. And she ended up once we found out that we needed surgery, she lived with us for four months. Yeah, that's um, amazing! It, it was because I, I couldn't physically be at the hospital. Right. with while He was in the NICU or taking a surgery when, and I was breastfeeding Reagan yeah. and him when I could at the time or pumping for him mostly. Um, so, It was really a team effort. Um, The first two weeks of their lives, we took myself, my mom and my husband and Reagan in the car and went to park in the parking garage at the Children's Hospital. Um, I'd feed Reagan while my mom and husband went up to see Parker in the NICU. And then when they'd come back down, I would leave Reagan in the car with them with the windows down and I go up and see Parker and pump for him. Yeah. and then two hours later when Reagan needed to eat we'd rotate so we did that all day every day for two and a half weeks because oh we didn't want to bring Reagan into the hospital because she was a preemie. right oh, so yeah exactly um, but we I, I couldn't have done it without help and I'm not I don't ask for help easily mm-hmm. um but I knew that we we couldn't survive that without everyone's hands and we had people bring us meals and you know and it really kept us all functioning yeah so so at what point, how old were they when
0: the, the, the big procedures were done and Parker was home and starting to get healthy? At what point did you feel like, okay, I've got this under control? Or have you reached that <laughs> have point Have I? Right. That's a good
1: question. Um, I feel like, so my mom left after they were four months old and I panicked for a little while. I'm I was sure. like, I don't know if I can do this by myself. Um, but we, we made it through it and I'm much stronger for having made it through it. Um, I feel like after... After their six to eight month mark is when we kind of turn the corner. Um, and I felt like I was able to juggle the two of them. And, you know, the great thing about twins is they're on the same schedule. Yeah. So, you know, moms who have one that's three and one that's one, <laughs> you know, scheduling is a nightmare sometimes. Right. And that's the one thing about twins that's easier, I think, is that they they always need the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Not always, but typically. Right. Um, so it was, it was a little bit easier at around six to eight months. And then really after the first year, I felt like we really got out of the woods and, um, could be human again. Mm -hmm. So. And is that the point when you decided to
0: return to working or had you done a little bit here and there before
1: that? I had been, I never really took a full maternity leave. Um, so, I, I basically was still getting emails and phone calls um, when Parker was in the hospital and that kind of thing. And I just started delegating like crazy, which, again, I'm not the greatest at. I've mm-hmm. been better since mm-hmm. becoming a mom. <laughs> you kind of forced um, into it. Yeah, yeah, I was definitely because I didn't want to lose the clients. Um, but at the same time, I didn't have what I needed to have to maintain them on my own. Right. So, um, so I, I typically, I just left like an out-of-office email saying I was on maternity leave. I would still check things. Um, but I think after the first year, really when they first started Mother's Morning Out, they were two. And that was when I felt like I think I, I could start doing some things again and, and really be more interested in it. Before that, I was managing staff members still, but I didn't have any creative vision for anything outside of what we were already doing. right? Um, and then around when they were two, like I said, that was when I started dreaming again about Mm -hmm. the growth of the company and what we could do with it.
0: Yeah. So I know that you kind of balance being at home with them Mm -hmm. and also working on your business. And do you see clients as well?
1: I don't. So I don't have a clinical caseload right now. Okay. Um, So, yeah, my schedule is a little different every day, but, you know, I usually take them to school, um, drop them off and then, Um, Go to a client meeting or a contract meeting, um, go do billing, administrative things, observe staff, work with interns, any of that number, any of those number of things, Um, work on new contracts and new company growth, Um, pick them up from school in the afternoon watch power rangers or princesses or whatever it is that we're watching um and then after they're in bed is when i kind of catch up on emails and stuff again but um i don't feel like it's response i'm not responsible enough right now to be able to have a consistent caseload sure um
0: well and there are just so many things that you know kids get sick and exactly kids have to come home from school and, exactly and i'm starting to find that out now
1: mm-hmm.
0: where parker goes to school three days a week and even that isn't always a hundred percent reliable. Right. So right. it's, it's tough. And you know, I have to keep in mind the best interests of my family. But right. And at the same time, I'm also responsible for my clients and, and providing consistent services. So right. it, it's a real challenge. It
1: is, it is. And I, you're right. And I was not able to be consistent enough to mm-hmm. take that on yet. Um, and I also, I always remind myself that I have fabulous music therapists who want jobs. Sure. And, um, I feel excited that I can create those jobs for them because I can't do what they're doing right now. I can't drive all around the city of Atlanta and see hospice patients right now. Um, and that's okay. Cause I'm giving them a job. So, you know, it's good. It's good for everybody.
0: Right. And the fact that you are able to work on your business and mm-hmm. not just always in it. Right. Um, I, I think that that's so great. And that's sort of where I'm hoping to be headed. Mm-hmm. Eventually our, business has seen a lot of growth and, um, development over the last year, but I feel like I'm kind of playing on both sides right now and it's really challenging because I just don't have enough hours in the day. Right. And, um, so I'm really admire what you've done with your company. You. So tell us a little bit about because it's not just a private practice. You guys do so many different things. So tell Thank us a little you. bit more about all of the services that you offer.
1: Yeah, so that was um kind of when I alluded to the past like year and a half is when I've been able to be creative and kind of scope outwards yeah. of, you know, I don't want to say just clinical services because we're that's our main focus right. well, is clinical yeah. services. And I'm excited about the clinical services, but you're right. I, I started figuring out that I do have a passion for helping music therapists too. Um, so we have a, a line in our business called MMT paper, um, and that's, um, a marketing Program for music therapists who are either starting new private practices or new programs within the hospital or wherever they are working, which I've actually used and <laughs> it's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what it is is um, there's we have a, what we call our paper menu online, um, and you can look at it and see what materials you might want for different populations. And um, some of the materials are fact sheets or um, handouts for professionals or program proposals. And these are all things that I've created throughout my time that have gotten me the contracts that we have. Um, so they're tried and true. And I know that they work. Um, we also have some new materials on there that, um, are describing the benefits of contracting with a company or hiring an employee and the differences between the two. Um, and we have a couple that talk about the differences between music therapists and music volunteers, which a lot of people want to see that information because Mm. we get a lot of questions about, Oh, will you volunteer your time? Right. Um, so all of those materials I've used in growing my practice and they're tried and true with every contract we have. I've used those materials. So, um, so that's something that I love to be able to offer to music therapists. Um, we also have the MMT Academy, which is what we're here representing at AMTA this year. Um, it is a continuing education program for music therapists. So um, our whole effort is to make sure that music therapists know that we are them and we get what their needs are. And we need a lot of continuing ed at a sometimes a high cost for the amount of money that music therapists make. Mm-hmm. Um, so we offer affordable in-person courses um, with the biggest names in music therapy. So we are actually announcing tonight um, that we We'll have a lot of big names next year, including Jane Stanley, Russell Hilliard, Dina Register, Ellery Draper, Karen shipley Leggett. Um, all of these names are coming into Atlanta next year to teach our courses.
0: That's an impressive list. Thank you. We're yeah. excited.
1: We're I really bet. excited. Um, so they're all coming in for live continuing ed courses. Um, but one of our new... Um, exciting bits of news that we're launching is that all of those courses will also be live streamed next year. So anybody all over the country can still partake in the courses. We're going to have moderators so that people can ask questions. Um, So we're excited about that. And then um, what we're also talking about here at conference is that um, anybody can pay to come to any of those courses separately, but we also are offering a membership program for next year where, um, people can pay monthly. And once you pay your membership, all the courses are free to you, whether it's in person or live streamed. And then we're going to put goodies on the membership website once a month that are going to be free paper materials, free marketing materials, um, some online courses that we're not going to do live next year that are just going to be in our video library. Um, And those all of the courses that we offer next year are going to have a video library on our website as well for the members. Um, so I'll go ahead if I can and tell everybody that um, the subscription is $99 a month. But for anybody listening, anybody at AMTA this week, um, if you use the code early bird, all one word, all lower caps, then it drops to 89 a month for the whole year next year.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So,
1: yeah, it actually takes the CMTE, if you look at it per credit hour, we're we're offering um, 32 plus hours next year. So you could get everything you needed Um per year with us yeah. and more. Um, but that's going to take each credit hour to $33. If you do the $89 a month membership.
0: Wow. So and we'll put a link in the show yeah. notes so that Thank people you. can find that. Awesome. So you've got a lot going on. So we do. It's, <laughs> I can imagine that it's a full-time job just keeping track of everything and growing. And, yeah. um, so that's really exciting. Thank you. Do you have other visions of different projects that you'd like to implement?
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm always looking for ways that we can provide services to clients that might not have access to funding. Um, so we're actually, if you're at AMTA, um, you'll see that we are, um, bringing in the owner of Alchemy Sky Foundation, who's a nonprofit that works for music ther- works with music therapists to provide funding in places that can't afford music therapy. So they help us plant music therapy programs. Um, and so we're really looking forward to ramping up our um, partnership with them and getting music therapy to places that doesn't have it and can't afford it. Um, and then we're really looking forward to the growth for the Academy next year and being able to just serve music therapists all over because we've been excited to have our live live courses um with the people who in the southeast region who can make it but now we can have anybody attending through live streaming so Isn't it
0: amazing what technology can it do? It is. It is. That's so, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you have so much on your plate and I'm wondering how you take care of yourself and have some me time in between everything
1: else that's going on. That's a good question. Um I I'm not very good at doing that (laughs) Um, and I need to be better at it. So maybe you guys can help me be accountable to that. Um, I try to, I I thought when the kids were in school four days this year, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have like one day to run errands and and," no, like my, no, no. (laughs) everything is scheduled from like now until six months at a time, every minute of every time that they're in school. So, um, I need to be better about being proactive and giving myself a day, um, or a trip or something Mm -hmm. to take. Better care of myself. Um, I do make sure that I get to work out like three times a week. And my husband's really good about getting me that time, whether it be while he's putting the kids to bed or something like that. Um, and just trying to be patient with myself and gentle with myself and know that I can't do everything in 24 hours because I should be sleeping at some right. point. Sleep is important. <laughs> right. <laughs> at least I've heard. <laughs> at least, right. It's yeah. some myth out there. But uh-huh. um, so, yeah, I, that's something I really need to work on is, is being better about giving myself time. Yeah. and being patient with myself.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's a process it is. and we have to ease into it mm-hmm. and be gentle with ourselves uh, as far as self care is concerned. Right. Because I think most people answer this question the way that you have mm-hmm. and they say, I'm not good at it. Right. And I'm not either. It's, right. it's really hard when you want to be good at what you do. You want to be a good mom.
1: Right. And try to do
0: everything at once. It's,
1: it's really hard. It is. And you want to model for your children that you should take care of yourself. Exactly. So I think that's why I felt so convicted of it since having them is, gosh, they're watching everything I do. Right. And they, Especially as they get older yeah. and they're more aware.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what kind of advice would you give to fellow music
1: therapists who are mm. just starting out on this journey? Um, I think what I just told myself is be patient with yourself and be gentle with yourself. Um, it, nothing's going to look the same that it was before you were a mom or before you were a parent. Um, and and everything will take longer mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because you now are, have two hats, at least two hats that you're wearing. So um, be conscientious of how you're spending your time and um, and and just be patient with. You might have a vision that you really want to implement, but it might not be for a year or two when before you had kids, you could do it right away. Um, and I think that's where I, I catch myself is, I want to do something now, now when I right. think of it. You get that idea and it's like, yes. go, go, go. Yes. So, and if it has to be now, if it's something that you have to put out now, ask for help, ask somebody to help with the kids if, if that's what you need, or ask somebody who's working for you or hire somebody, ask for help and, and bring people in on your vision. Um, cause I have a hard time with that too. I kind of, I might control some things uh-huh. every once in a while. <laughs> um, So I think that would be my biggest advice is be patient and ask for help. Yeah, I think that's great advice.
0: Well, Mallory, thank you so much for sitting down with me and taking an hour out of your conference sure. experience. It's been great to hear your story and, um, this has been fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Mallory a message, you can contact her via email, Mallory at malloryatmetromusictherapyga.com. There are just seven episodes left of this inaugural season of the podcast. So if you'd like to be a guest, let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And while you're there, make sure to sign up for my newsletter. I'll talk to you again next week.